Welcome to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa Boswell. And I'm Hannah O'Day, and we're PhD students at Stanford University. This podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics. It's, it's time, time for, for Boom. Welcome to Boom. We have Biomechanics on Our Minds. Welcome to Boom. Hey everyone, it's Hannah and Melissa, and we're here for another episode of Boom. The big 23. Wow. Can you believe it? I feel like that's a scary number in some movie. Well, it's November now. We're not scared anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No more scary Boom. Thank the good powers that be. But we do have a scary, awesome episode. Oh, that's <laughs> terrifyingly great. Um, such a fun time. We talked to Blake Leeper, who is an eight-time Paralympic track and field international medalist. And right now he's fighting to compete in the mm-hmm. Olympics. Um, so we get to hear about his story. And um, he is just super inspirational. And then we got to talk to another super inspirational person, Lassie Madsen. Um, and he is an athlete and an author um, and also a lower limb amputee. Yeah. Is one of our... One of the most inspirational episodes, that's for sure. Yeah, really. So if you are feeling any kind of lows right now, just get ready to be boosted through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't laugh. Melissa's a little sick, so... Yeah. So I try not to laugh because then it like turns into a hack. It's okay. So then I, I sound <laughs> even more raspy than normal. So we're gonna go with extra dad jokes today. <laughs> yes, because then I won't be laughing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, but first we'll do a quick bit of boom. 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 So today's bit of boom is especially relevant because Veterans Day just passed and we wanted to find a bit of boom that sort of gave tribute to the people who have served to make our lives better. And so this specific bit of boom is from the Journal of Biomechanics. It came out in October and the title is A More Compliant Prosthetic Foot better accommodates added load while walking among service members with transtibial limb loss. So it's extra extra relevant because it's we're talking specifically with... Specifically for service members. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Um, and so basically what they found is that, um, and we don't necessarily talk about it in our interview, but I think sort of a theme in prosthetics and in biomechanics is that selecting an optimal prosthetic fo- foot is actually challenging for especially highly active individuals with limb loss, such as military personnel who have a, like a really large variety of different tasks that they need to perform. Right, right. And some require actually external loading. So this study specifically looked at both w- loaded walking and unloaded walking. So loading as in like they walked with weighted backpacks or like weighted vests or something? Exactly. They walked with a 22 kilogram weighted vest. So it's like what, like 44, mm-hmm. 50 pounds, something like that. And they had two different walking speeds and then also completed like a subjective questionnaire about whether the participant liked the prosthetic foot, whether it was compliant or stiff. Yeah. 
I like that. I like when they include the subjective. A nice, yeah, yeah, because it really matters if the person actually likes it, right? Exactly. Not only is it affecting some biomechanical parameter, but yeah, how do they feel with it on? And so people, so the study found that with the compliant foot, um, there were actually uh, like a sixty-eight percent uh, increase in prosthetic push-off. The um, and there were a number of other biomechanical parameters that were, you know, quote unquote, better with the compliant foot. Mm-hmm. And that, along with the subjective uh, questionnaire that showed 10 participants out of the 14 that were tested actually preferred the compliant foot, gave way to their conclusion that a more compliant versus stiff prosthetic foot actually appears to better accommodate walking, both with and without the added load. And reinforces the notion that mechanical properties of prosthetic feet should actually be considered for performance and as well as joint health overall. That makes sense. Uh, I guess it's, you know, compliant versus stiff. It's like, it's hard to know like whether they were, you know, where that line is drawn, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's like very general, I would say to like, just have like more compliant, but I mean, it's, it's good to, to know and, but to also just like do that comparison on an individual basis to see like what works for people but maybe this is like a good starting point to go off of and then kind of fine-tune from there yeah and they do you know put quotes around compliant versus stiff well if you want to learn more about this study you can it what journal was it published in uh the journal biomechanics the journal biomechanics in october of 2019 so if you want to find out more, go to the Journal of Biomechanics and you can look for the first author is Barry Schnall. Let's get it started with our with our interviews. Sounds great. Hi everyone, it's Melissa and Hannah, and we're super excited to be talking with United States Paralympic athlete Blake Leeper. Woohoo! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Uh, Blake is an eight-time Paralympic track and field international medalist, world record holder, and three-time American record holder, and hopefully an Olympic athlete in 2020. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. You said you already had your uh, workout into this morning, so that's pretty impressive. It's pretty early. Yeah. (laughs) The Olympic build-up year, you know, we're 10 months out from the Olympic Games, and, you know, I'm in a position where every day does count. Um, and I knew I had this interview and, and I was excited for it. So I had to push my workout up a little bit earlier. Um, that's, that's my requirements and my coach, my coaches and my teammates that we made a promise to each other is that we understand that we have to, you know, go out there and do media and do stuff and, and kind of push the sport and the brand. But the first, first comes first and that is the workouts and that is the training and the consistency of, of trying to better yourself on and off the track, really. So what, just out of curiosity, um, what does that like training look like? What, what did you do this morning and how much does it differ every day? Yeah. You know, given the part of where we are in the season, we're kind of just jumping back into fall season, trying to get back in shape. So, you know, as a track and field, you know, my specialty is the 400 meters. It is a sprint distance, um, but we don't sprint every day. There's, there's levels and, and different like bases that you that you have to start from from ground zero and, and kind of work on endurance so for today it was like a an endurance day i did a couple of actually when i say a couple like six to seven 500 meter runs okay. um yeah. just yeah. Like, kind of keep the rhythm going <laughs> <laughs> 
not, not, nothing crazy, nothing crazy. But, but just, you know, going, getting through the reps and, and making sure that when I am fatigued, because I will get tired during a run like this, um, that I keep my form. And, you know, it's, it's hard to think that, you know, we're 10 months away from, for me, probably one of the biggest races of my life. That would be the Olympic Games in Tokyo 2020. But the work starts today. Um, and as I've kind of progressed in my career, I've realized that that you have to put the work in today to be prepared for months and months in advance. Um, and so that's where this actually workout is just as important or even more important than my last workout going into the Olympic Games. Um, so that's my mindset and, and the attitude and the perception that I, that I have um, when I'm attacking and trying to keep that that motivation <laughs> when it's cold and it's early and nobody's out there on the track and I'm the only one out there, it's tough. But I, I kind of keep, you know, the, the goal and the mission in the forefront of my, of my brain saying that I want to qualify for the Olympic Games. I want to make history by being the first double egg amputee American to do this. So That's so exciting. So how do you feel like your training as a, a para-athlete differs from other athletes? I mean, honestly, when it comes down to the to the basics and the foundation, it doesn't. You know, uh, people kind of ask that question. You know, of course, I make a few modifications um, throughout certain workouts um, that kind of helps me with my balance or maybe with my stability or, you know, just whatever, just to get the workout done. Um, but at the end of the day, and I train alongside Olympic able-bodied athletes that some have gone to the Olympic Games and, and some broken world records and, and some have won Olympic gold medals and whatever they do, I do. Um, and, and that's the mindset that I've, I've always had, not only on the track, but just my whole life. I remember when I was younger, I was about nine or, or 10 years old and I was I had a new basketball coach and my, my dad pulled me to the side. At nine years old, he told me, Blake, when they tell you you don't have to run or do extra reps or runs during practice because he couldn't coach me no more, he told me this new coach is going to give you the easy way out. And when, when he does, don't take it, right? You finish every rep, every run, like every able-bodied kid out there. And at nine years old, I really didn't understand. You know, I really understand I my really disability. Run. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're you talking about, Dad. I'm just a kid, right? Cool. But like, lo and behold, two to three weeks later, we was in practice and we was down to the last suicides at basketball practice. And the coach called me out and said, Blake, you don't have to do this one. You're good. And I kind of stopped and I kind of looked around and, and trying to analyze the situation and, and realized that he was giving me the easy way out because of my, my disability. And it just as about I was about to kind of walk off to the side. I remember that conversation that my, my father had with me. When I, you know, this is when I was nine years old saying that you never take the easy way out. Whatever your, the rest of your competitors do or your teammates do, you do that. And so I finished the workout. And that's been my mindset even now as an adult trying to qualify for the Olympic Games. Whatever my teammates do, I'm going to do. There's, there's no excuses just because I'm missing my legs or just because I have a disability that does, does not define who I am. Um, and I don't like to put myself in this box saying, well... I am missing my leg, so I'll sit this one out. Or, well, I am disabled, so I won't have to run as hard or do this rep. And, and the reality of it is if I take that route or that mindset, I'm just hurting myself. Um, so surrounding myself with some some amazing, amazing, outstanding Olympians and coaches, um, weight room coaches, you know, track and field coaches, and people in my life that really push me and, and, and expect the best out of yeah. me. Yeah. That reminds me. There's a there's a pretty famous uh, climber who ha who's also an amputee, and she 
um, always gets the comment from people like, oh, well, if you're climbing, I guess I don't have any excuse not to be. And she's like, you never had an excuse in the first place. So. Right. <laughs> people kind of people use that and they look at my situation. And I tell people all the time, my biggest disability is not the fact that I'm missing my legs. My biggest disability is what people assume that I can do because I'm missing my legs. Just because I, I've been an amputee my whole life, they just assume my life has just been terrible or they just assume that I've struggled my whole life. And I have my ups and my downs. Don't get me wrong. And I've had my, my tough times. But, you know, the perception and the perspective that I have on my life is that I'm blessed. I'm thankful. You know, the fact that I was born without legs has shown me that I'm a fighter. The fact that I was born without legs showed me my true inner and outer strength. The showing that even though I was facing with this adversity or challenge, I was still able to find the tools and ability over to overcome that. So when you look at it, that situation, then that's actually an, a blessing. It's actually a, a good thing. Um, so it's just really the, the taking that perception and perspective on your life and, and knowing that you have control over that. And, and kind of manipulating that and maneuvering it to where it plays in your favor, um, to where whatever trial or tribulation that you may face, you can still kind of find the beauty inside of it. Wow, that, that, that's beautiful. Um, and <laughs> like you said something interesting there in that um, the disability is really in how people perceive your abilities. And I think that's interesting in the context of what we talked about with Elena Grabowski on our last episode, actually in that um, you've applied to compete in the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, but that application is currently under review because you actually have to prove that your prosthetics don't give you an advantage. So you're sort of on the flip side where um, people are actually questioning whether you're being enhanced. So um, there's a lot that we could go into there, but um, why don't we start with what it means to you to be able to compete in the Olympics and how you've sort of dealt with this whole process um, that you're going through now. Yeah. You know, just the situation that I'm in now, just kind of this, I want to say a battle. I would say right now it's a conversation with the Olympic committee, um, as they're reviewing my, my legs, of course, you know, Dr. Grabowski worked on the technical report to send into the Olympic committee. And we're actually in that, in that process as we speak. So I can hear, I can literally can hear back any day now, <laughs> hopefully when we get back with this interview that I'll get an email <laughs> from the Olympic committee, but I doubt it. But, um, so yeah, so they're reviewing my, my, my legs to, and of course, my goal is trying to qualify for the Olympic Games in, in 2020. Um, and when I say that, you know, I've competed in the Paralympic Games, but I'm now I'm trying to compete against the fastest runners in the world, legs or no legs, whoever it is. I want to line up and prove to them that I'm just as good and I can be the fastest man in the world. Um, last year in 2020 or this year in last season, 2019, I actually broke my world record in the 400 meters and I ran 44.38 seconds. Um, that which qualified me for the world championship team this year, able body. Um, and I took fifth at nationals and that put me sixth in the world at the time, um, which is kind of cool, which is pretty cool to say like these past two years, I've, my times have been top 10 in the world, um, which is, is crazy to think that the day that I was born, the doctor said, I'll never walk in, you know, here I am, you know, competing on the, on the highest level. But, you know, as I'm trying to compete on this like, highest level and I've, you know, putting my blood, sweat, and tears day in and day out, just overcoming so many adversities on and off the track. And then I finally, you know, get to this level, this, this you know, see this time or this competition to where I, I feel like I've, I've worked hard to be here. And then when I output the times 
that me and my coaches and my teammates expected. Like, it wasn't like, I mean, of course, when I broke the world record, I was excited and I was shocked. But at the end of the day, I expected it. I worked hard for it. I put the work in. And finally, when I get there, and then for the, you know, Olympic Committee or, you know, the IWF to say I have an unfair advantage because of my prosthetic devices, um, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. It's like, it is wild. I also... It's like, so hypothetically, let's say like they they determine that you do have an advantage with your current prosthetic. Like, could you not just like have a pair made that's like a little bit worse? Like, at, like what is the, it's kind of like a weird line there. Like what would. Yeah. Well, well that's where it kind of becomes the gray area because, you know, the burden of proof is on me, the athlete and the federation anymore. So I have to prove to them that I don't get an advantage. But at the end of the day, like you said, I love that idea. And that's what something I've been kind of standing by is like, I have nothing to hide. Um, you know, I'm, I've been running on prosthetic, the same prosthetics that's kind of been around for the past 10, 15 years. What, what, the question is, what, what, what does it look like? What is it going to take, um, you know, for the committee or the public or the community to feel comfortable enough for me to, to compete at this highest level? Because at the end of the day, I just want a chance. I just want a shot to be able to, to step on that stage and, and to be able to call myself an Olympian and how powerful could it be if imagine if I was in the Olympic games and they highlight me and should not really not, not me, Blake Leeper, just my story of the fact that I was born without legs. And, and now I'm, I'm competing to try to be the fastest man in the world. And the doctors told me I would never walk. Imagine how impactful or inspirational that could be to the next generation of kids that's maybe disabled or maybe dealing with depression or maybe dealing with a situation or an issue thinking that less than and they see me they see my story and say wow you know Blake did it Blake the odds were against him and he fought and he was able to overcome so if he can do that imagine yeah, what I can do with my that's life really beautiful. And, and that's my message yeah that's my message if I was born without legs and I can run in the Olympic games imagine even though you are disabled even though you come from a broken home even though you know, you know, your parents may be divorced. Even though you was abused as a child. Even though whatever the situation may be, I was able to overcome this. So imagine what you yeah, can do with your that, life. That is so beautiful and inspiring. And I think you have like a greater understanding or picture for what you. You know, it's not just about you. Like, and I, I love that you sort of exude that in in how you're, you're speaking with us today. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's one thing I realized is, you know, as I was, you know, trying to, you know, on the rise of trying to become faster and get my, my world rankings up and, and realizing how bigger this, like the faster I became, the bigger the battle became. And the faster, you know, more I started winning, the, the more the letters and the back and forth with the committee started going. And it was like, a, it, it hit like a light bulb to me. I was like, wow, this is way bigger than me. This is way bigger than me. So I, with that being said, I have that mindset. For example, the fact that I missed world championships this year, right? I should have been in Doha competing, but unfortunately I wasn't able to go and compete. So I had to watch it on TV and, and see the guys that, you know, that was in my spot or the, see the spots that I would have been in and seeing the medals that I, that I could have won and the, the records I could have broke there in Doha making history. And I, and I tell people, one of the hardest workouts I've ever had in my life was that next day when I knew I couldn't go to Doha. You've been <laughs> you've been an inspiration though for so many people, both para athletes and and able bodied athletes, and um, you know even 
people who aren't athletes, uh, who, so who has been an inspiration for you? I know you mentioned your dad a bit growing up. Um, who's really been that person that you've looked up to? Yeah, you know, I, w- I would definitely say my father and my grandfather and my, my older brother, Chris, has been a, a huge inspiration. Just, you know, some really strong family members, men and women, my grandmother, my mother, my aunts in my life. Um, you know, but, you know, you always grow up with that one celebrity like hero as a kid, you know, growing up. And mine was actually Bo Jackson. And and I love Bo Jackson just because, you know, he was one of the you know, greatest football and baseball players ever to play. But his career was ended short because of a hip hip injury. And this is back in like the, you know, late eighties, early nineties. Um, he actually got a full hip replacement and got a prosthetic hip and actually rehabbed and battled back to play in the MLB again. And as a kid growing up with prosthetics and they, they're highlighting this and showing in and, and showing this man that's just now became disabled and how he battled back and fought. And for me, I was only, you know, four or five, six years old, but the only thing I heard was prosthetic. And I was like, wow, if he can do it with a prosthetic, then I can do it with a prosthetic. So I fell in love with Bo Jackson. I, like, I would even tell people to call me Bo, which is pretty cool because years later, I actually got to meet him when I was like six, seven years old. And then, yeah, 13 years later, I got to meet him again when, in my, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. He surprised me on the Arsenio Hall show. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Came out and, and he brought my blades out. And, you know, that was one of the first times. I actually got to thank him, you know, for fighting. Because a lot of people see his career as like, wow, how tragic his situation is because he was injured and he could have been the greatest of all time and he could have broke all these records. But I look at his situation like, wow, I thank you for fighting. Like the fact that he endured that, it that his tragedy and saved my life and, and, and gave me motivation and hope to keep pushing on. Wow, that's amazing, and that you got to meet him. Like that's yeah. like every kid's dream. And <laughs> yeah, right. Adults too. I was an adult, and I was almost in tears. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Um, have you like? Would you say you've always had this like sort of strong mental toughness that you talk about, or um, was, do you think it was mainly inspired by? um by Bo or like where do you think that, that really uh, honestly I, w- I would say you know I've just been blessed and, and and thankful to to be surrounded by strong people in my life like my mother and my father from day one to instill in me that Blake whatever you go through in your life you got to keep a positive attitude regardless of the, tr- the trials and tribulation you got to keep pushing forward like that was instilled in me from day one Blake even though you are disabled it doesn't make you different um but the reality of it is it's it, it's been the adversity um, that I faced in my life. You know, I, I, I think back when I was playing T-ball one year and I wanted to hit a home run this one T-ball season, you know, for my teammates to be accepted. From and My dad was a third base coach. So, he, you know, he they not only told me I would never walk, but they told him. And, you know, I go up to the plate and, you know, I was like four or five years old and, you know, I take my three practice swings and on the third swing, I hit the ball as far as I can. And I start running to first base and on my way to first to second, you know, I'm seeing my teammates and my father jumping up and down. They're so excited for me. But on my way to second to third, my leg falls off, right? Boop. Eat dirt, right? The, the kid comes over, tags me out. You know, the the, the inning is over. No. No, right? It was just, it, it, was, it was terrible, right? I don't know why they yeah. tagged me out, but it was, it was terrible. It was terrible, <laughs> right? And 
Yeah. I bet he regrets that day. <laughs> I'm sure he, had, he went to a couple therapy sessions for that one. Um, but but on the as, as I laid there, you know, one leg on, one leg off, you know, I was I can remember just like being mad at the world and and just like mad at the situation and just like mad at life, not really understanding like why I'm going through this. Like everybody on my team has their legs. My mom, my dad, my brother, they have their legs. Like why? Like you know, kind of questioning it. Like why me? You know, but, you know, as I got older and in that moment, everybody picked me up and dusted the dirt off my back. And but more in trial and tribulations that I faced, I realized I was asking the wrong question. I was kind of trying to blame fault and and blame life and blame others. But the reality of it is I had to take responsibility and say, you know what? It's nobody's fault that but this is life. And the fact that this is life, I got to flip it. I got to reverse it. Instead of saying, why me? I start saying, well, why not me? I'm meant for this. Well, why not me? I'm strong enough for this. Well, why not me? I'm smart enough for this. And just like all these trials and tribulations that I've been through in my life, I kind of came to this place of acceptance is saying that it's happening to me for a reason. I'm in the right place at the right time in the right moment for the right thing. And that whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I have to embrace it and accept it. And, and the more, because every issue or trial or tribulation that I face, guess what? I got through it. Regardless how hard it was, I became stronger from it. So all those failures and shortcomings and being less than and, you know, missing out just barely, like those are actually just what built my character. Um, and, 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 you know, one of my favorite quotes is actually from like from a Rocky movie. You know, he said, it's not life is not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's about how hard you can take hits and still brush off the dirt and put your legs back on and keep pushing. Um, and I think by those adversities has allowed me to build that character, not only to become an Olympian, but hopefully to be successful in life. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that that's, that's amazing. So you're kind of saying like your focus right now definitely has to be like a lot on the Olympics, but you're kind of mentioning um, a bit of a vision after the Olympics in terms of just living a successful life. Um, what does that look like for oh, you? Oh, man, that's that's actually a good question. You know, I'm 30 now. <laughs> I'm getting so old, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> that's not old. My career is coming to an end. I like, I, like, I want a retirement party with, like, boys to men playing in the back. You know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> to say goodbye as I take my last lap around the track. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only if we're invited. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I have a couple ideas to where you know I want to you know maybe get into some, some coaching. You know, right now I'm I'm also doing some motivational speaking. Um, you know, where I go around the nation and talk to kids and corporations about my story. Um, and I love doing it. You know, it's one thing doing it after your career, but I'm living it right now. So my story is 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 developing day by day, and I, I love speaking about it and talking about because it I it's I'm in this realm of the unknown, and and I like to tell people even though I'm in the realm of this unknown, I still have the faith, I still have the belief, and I and I and I still have the willpower and the strength to keep pushing it and fighting and and to see the vision to know that I'm still going to be in the Olympic Games. And, you know, they're trying to embrace that message and, and, and push that out there into the universe. But, you know, whether it's commentating, coaching, managing, you know what I mean, teaching, I, you know, at the end of the day, I do not know. Um, but I know one thing for sure is that I want to be an ambassador 
for for the disabled community, uh, and I and I I, I want to be um, a, a, a valuable person and hope and inspiration, whatever platform my life may direct me to, or I may end up in. Well, I don't know politics, whatever it may whatever it may be. I have no clue. I know one thing, and that one thing is I want to be an ambassador for every disabled child, human being that's being discriminated against to say, me too, I have been discriminated against as well. And we're, we're fighting the same fight. Wow. I mean, this whole conversation has just <laughs> been so amazing. I feel like I don't have good enough words to come up with <laughs> to answer um, the things you're saying, but maybe that's just it. Maybe there aren't because you really are. I think you already are an ambassador. You've already done so much. And it's it's really amazing that you're using your story to help other people um, and really make it like I like we said earlier, it's big. Yeah, you know, and I, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunities and 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 just the the ability and the talents and 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 the blessings to you know to keep to have the life to be able to do this. But you know, the sad sad part that you know I come to realization every day is that even though I, I could you know I might be an ambassador now or I'm trying my best to to kind of cross over to bring shed light into to this you know awful situation of how the disabled human beings are being treated and and the reality of it is it's still awful like we're still not there yet there's still so much more change that needs to be done there's still so much more conversation that needs to be had about the disabled community of you know not trying to save these individuals but how can we embrace them and help and help them and challenge them to be the best person they possibly can be and, and see past the fact that they're one physical disability. Like, that's what I tell people. I have two disabilities. Yes, I cannot deny that, but I have a thousand other abilities that make me a special person. I have a thousand other abilities that allows me to wake up each and every day that put a smile on my face to go to the track and train and challenge myself. So instead of kind of letting that one disability ruin run your life or, or run that perception or perspective on that person, Let's really dive in and, and, and take a step back. We'll dive in, but also take a step back to kind of look at all the thousand other abilities that they have that makes them a special person. Yeah. Yeah. Like focusing on our strengths. Exactly. Exactly. So we usually like to ask people we're interviewing what they're most excited about for the field of biomechanics. But I think for you, we'd love to know what you're most excited about for the future of para-athletics. And I think you've talked a lot about um, the changes you've gone through and excitements you've had in your life and inspirations, but really what are you excited about for the future? Yeah. You know, the, with the future, especially regarding with the Paralympics, I'm just excited for the growth, you know, just on, you know, on the marketing side, on the media side, on the athletic side, you know, you know, you, if you look at Paralympic games, the times that are being ran right now are extremely fast from amputees to blind runners, cerebral palsy runners. So disabled athletes are developing and getting stronger and, and getting in a better understanding of their equipment and, and the type of disability that they have and how to enhance that to where, you know, hopefully, I, I hope in the future, you know, my goal and my vision is, the, is that one day the Paralympics will be just as big or even bigger than the Olympic Games. Like he's really fast for a para-athlete to just like, He's a really fast athlete. He's a really yeah. fast athlete. And that's what I try to tell people. Don't see the disabled athlete. See the athlete that just so happens to be disabled. And I hope people can can identify the difference um, of the of that, of saying he's an athlete first. He's an athlete first, and then he has a disability. And once people realize that, and, and one day people are going to realize the stories 
and the marketing and 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 the, and, the, and the, the things that gets people interested of that of that tragedy to triumph all the greatest stories in Hollywood or tragedy to triumph the the underdog all the underdogs are in Paralympics every Paralympian has an underdog story every Paralympian has an adversity that somebody can relate to whether it's them or their mother their father or their cousin and brother that say, wow, they went through that. So I can tell them about that hope and inspiration and they're on the track running or they're in, or they're on the volleyball field playing or whatever it may be. And, and, and once we kind of understand that and dive into all the amazing stories in the Paralympics and the and disabled athletes, man, the possibilities are unlimited. I think recognizing like that we all carry something is very human. It's just that some might be more visible than others. And, and that's what I tell people, regardless of, like the fact that, you know, I'm missing my legs or the fact that you're, you maybe you're dealing with something in, internally to overcome that challenge. It maybe look a little bit different. That adversity maybe looked a little bit different, but the characteristics to keep fighting and the push through and the mindset that you have to have are the same characteristics that I have to have. Right, whatever challenge that you have to have or to, to to overcome it, those characteristics are the same. So we can find a common interest if we just kind of find that base of saying you you are fighting right now and I'm fighting right now. So we're both fighting right now. Well, if people listening want to continue to follow you and follow your story. Uh, how can they do that? How can they um, find you? Yeah, you of course I'm uploading um all kinds of videos of just like with my training um and my exercises and stuff I do daily um on my um Instagram and that's Leapster L E E P S T E R um and I have my of course my website is let uh is leaperruns.com it's that's leaperruns.com and and then after that, of course, you know, I'm, I'm kind of working on my YouTube channel right now. I'm trying to get so I'm, I'm looking for all kinds of ideas to kind of do with some crazy stuff in my legs. So if anybody has some stuff for me to do at, on my YouTube channel, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm, I'm working on it. We might regret it. We might come up with some crazy I think things. we're, yeah, just you wait. <laughs> I, am, I am open to anything. <laughs> and so I'm down to I'm really trying to build that platform, and and I actually I just got a pretty cool video on YouTube. It's called "Let Leaper Run," um, so it's it's all it's actually pretty cool. It's a a, a really good shot that I shot with this um, this editor director out in um, New York, Lorenzo, and he came together, kind of knew some of the stuff that I'm going through. He's like, let's sh- let's shoot this little two minute cool video, a little shot to to the Olympics. So so if if you have time, go to YouTube and type in "Let Leaper Run." We actually so. Um our podcast just followed you on Twitter and we were actually your 5,000 followers. So that was awesome. But yeah, we really appreciate it. This was super fun. We're really excited to, to share your story. It was an honor really to even hear it. And yeah, like we said, we are very inspired. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for, you know, for the platform and just, you know, listen to me, allow me to tell my story and hopefully, you know, if it's just one person kind of gained something, from our conversation today, I, I feel like we made a difference, you know, today. So thank you guys for what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for joining us. We, this is why we get so excited to do this because we get to talk <laughs> to awesome people. All right. Today on Boom, we're super excited to be talking with Lassie Madsen, who is an athlete and author, and also has a background in civil engineering and product design. 
So we're really excited to hear about your story because in addition to being um, a man of many talents, you also have an above-the-knee prosthesis. You've started sharing your story, and it's been really inspiring um, to, to many people, and we're hoping to get a bit of background on, on your story on the podcast. So basically, I have, I've been a gymnast for, um, for my whole life uh, since I was, I was three years old. Um, but then when I was 14, I lost my leg in a traffic accident. Um, and at the accident, it was actually below the knee, but my knee was, was broken so bad that they had, they had to take it above the knee. Um, and as you can imagine, as a 14 year old kid, this is a completely new, uh, life situation where I didn't know really what to do, but I had this one burning desire that was completely indiscussible for me. And that was um, to be able to go back to the gymnastics. And um, I think that goal and that dream of going back to the gymnastics, standing in front of the crowd, being able to do what other people and normal people did with the prosthesis, that was it was that goal that that kept me going um so after getting out of the hospital um i spent a year in training and rehabilitation um with this one goal in mind that after one year i would be able to start at the school that i have always been signed up for um which is a school focusing only on gymnastics for a year. Wow. Um, this, that's really astounding and like kind of amazing that you were able to hold this goal like in mind and focus on it. Um, because I'm just wondering how did you sort of maintain hope to like achieve this goal? And maybe were there like other examples or role models of people that you'd seen like sort of recover from, um, you know, an amputation or, or like what, what really like, or was it just holding the goal sort of in mind that kept you motivated? Um, it's a good question. Actually at, at that time when I lost my leg, I was, I was trying to find other people that I could relate to and being 14 years old, finding in Denmark, finding a person that I can relate to that is, in the same situation as me, also active in sports. We only have 6 million people in the country. So finding that was very unlikely. And I didn't manage to find um, another person that I could uh, talk to in this situation at that time. Um, so that is also one of the reasons why I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So you're using... Um Instagram specifically to motivate people. What are what are some ways in which you've chosen to motivate other people um, through Instagram, and um, and why you and why you choose to do that? Um, so my journey on Instagram it only it only started just a few months ago, um, but the reason for it actually goes way back. Since I lost my leg, I've been contacted by. Uh, young people, by families who wanted guidance in the time after being amputated. And I've been doing that 
for 14, 15 years now. And I've started out by helping these people by taking, you can say, one-to-one conversations, either uh, meeting up with them in person or over Skype. Half a year ago, I was thinking, how can I reach more people than these one-to-one conversations? So this led me to sitting down and writing a book on the topic. So how did I get through my invitation, both uh, physically and mentally? And um, when I launched the book on Amazon, um, nothing really happened because I knew that I, I had to reach people in some way. So that was actually the reason for me starting the Instagram. Um, I was thinking, how can, how can I get my message out to people? So one and a half month ago, I started my Instagram uh, called Landing on My Feet. And I started to take pictures and shoot some videos of me doing very basic stuff, just uh, <laughs> sitting on my bike, uh, walking up and down stairs. Um, and it gained a massive um, interest in, in very, very little time. And uh, I guess when, when, when people are cheering you up and saying, oh, what you're doing is great, keep on doing it, um, that is really what keeps me motivated. Yeah, and I think, I think it's kind of both ways, right? Like people are motivating to you, but you're also like extremely motivating to others. So I really love that that's, yeah, it's like a two-way street. Um, it, it, it definitely is. Um, and what is starting to happen now is that after one and a half months, having posted how I do fitness, how I do different sports, what happens now is that um, people, they start to um, send me direct messages and say, um, I have a goal of using my prosthesis for four hours every day this month. Um, can you, can, can I share my story story with you? So, so, um, so I can use you as a follow-up tool. And I think it's great. You know, um, some people, they, they are not the best at motivating themselves. So if I can be that extrinsic motivation that helps them, it's just yeah, super cool. That's really amazing. Actually, we were looking at your Instagram and you started a hashtag challenge for November, which is really cool. Um, so will yep. you talk about that and kind of what you what the hopes are for this? Did you come up with this hashtag challenge too? <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, so what I find what I found through my my one and a half months of, of doing Instagram is that the community of amputees within Instagram is a really engaging and very helpful community. People, they are engaging on each other's posts. They are asking questions. They, they, they want to learn how other people are going through their life with their um, prosthesis. So I got this um, idea to, um, to launch a hashtag challenge called AMP Goal, short for Amputation Goal. And um, basically what I want to do here is to reach every single level of prosthetic users out there. It can be everything from a person who are, 
who is in bed um, almost full time to a person that is running a marathon with a prestigious every month. No matter what level you are at, um, you always have a chance to develop yourself further. Um, and what I found find out there is that there's so much potential out there. Sometimes they just need a little inspiration and a little push in the right direction in, in order to achieve amazing goals. And um, that is what I want to do with this hashtag, hashtag challenge. Meet people where they are and then create a community around it to be able to encourage each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really great that you can, you've made the format so that really accessible so that anyone can be part of it and like um, building community around everyone's unique goals is just, is just really, um, is really amazing. So that's, that's awesome. And in addition to doing it, you know, the daily activities. So um, on the front, on the cover of your book, you're doing gymnastics. So it yeah. kind of like, I don't know, I guess we didn't really circle back to um, the fact that you were able to do gymnastics again, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's really amazing <laughs> yeah and and kind of speaking of that i'm just wondering as far as like your own personal journey like how were you able to sort of trust in like your prosthesis and your body to do the movements you wanted to like was it just through training or like you're doing some really uh extreme sports like gymnastics even skiing um yeah um this is one of the things that is hard to explain as an amputee because I feel that my prosthesis is an integrated part of me. I don't think about how I move that much. If I'm walking down a stair, I'm not thinking about, okay, I need to put my foot here in order for my prosthesis to react like that. So when you reach that level of feeling that your prosthesis is an integrated part of me, this is where I would say you have come a really far way. Actually, I am in a condition where even if I'm standing on a very small, I don't know, a small stone, I can feel it. I can feel that something is different and I can feel if I'm stepping on other people's toes. Um, so I do trust my prestigious very, very much. And I think it's a combination of the, of the years of experience first of all, that I have with my prosthesis. And second of all, um, I listened to my physiotherapists and my prosthetists when they said to me, Lasse, you have to do the training. You have to do it over and over again. And if you, if you just take your leg, bring it back home, and you don't do the training and you just start walking, you might learn some really bad habits and they are super hard to unlearn. So my family was really good at that time at encouraging me to, to stick to the program that, that my prosthetist and my physiotherapist gave me. And I think in combination with my years of doing gymnastics, so with a good balance and with a good feeling of where my body is, those things combined is making me trust my prosthetic leg at the level that I'm doing wow. today. That's amazing. So what do you think is, is next for you on, 
on your journey? Yeah, I would definitely like to continue motivating others um, and especially through action because I believe that many MBTs, they have a huge possibility of, of doing, you know, what, whatever their desire is. And often I see that it's, the, it's themselves that are holding them back. It's, it's, a, it's a limiting belief that if they just start to do something, they will actually figure out and see that there is a way and they can, they can go skiing and they can go do a yoga class and they can be a runner if they want to. And they can go pick up their bicycle that has been standing in the garage for the past seven years. It's just doing it and um, asking for help. And I think. So that first step is. Yeah. Yeah. This has been super inspirational. And I, I, you've given a lot of advice for what others can do when they feel challenged Mm -hmm. um, to do something. And I was wondering, I mean, you have to have those days too, right? When things feel challenging. And um, I was wondering like what you do um, when you have those days, what kind of gets you out of that and gets you going? Yeah. Um, so if you, if you look at my Instagram, you can, it, it looks like I'm, I'm this, I don't know, super entity, but most definitely, but most definitely I have bad days as well. I have days with intense pain. I have days where, um, where I don't fit my prosthesis. So in other words, the body is changing but your prosthesis is not changing. So if I gain or lose muscle, if I, um, if I gain, yeah, if I gain or lose muscle, if I gain or lose weight, I'm having issues as well. And that is what you don't see on Instagram. So what I'm trying to do whenever I have these days is to identify that I'm on my way into this downward spiral and then I'll do everything I can to break it. And um, I have a really nice girlfriend who, <laughs> who is saying to me, okay, listen, um, maybe you should eat a little bit more now because you're talking about that you're losing weight and when you're losing weight, you will not be able to fit your prosthesis and then you have to go to your prosthetist and you have to redo it. So she's super helpful, super encouraging. Um, and she's helping me, you know, keep the level that I am at right now. That's Yeah. That's really beautiful. Like, um, and I feel like that's a good lesson for all of us that like, there's a lot we can do on ourselves to motivate ourselves, but really it's the support of other people that kind of helps give you that little extra bit and keep you on track. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And also, um, when it was not easy in the beginning, so losing a leg at at 14 years old, uh, my family was obviously very supportive. And my father, he did this one thing where he said, 
So if I said, okay, I can't do this, he made a rule. So for every time that I say, said, I can't do this, I had to find two things that I could do. And he would force me to sit down and then he would say, okay, so now you've just said this one thing that you can't do. Now we will sit here and we will together, we will find two things that you can do. So this little rule <laughs> kept me motivated and focused on the positive side instead of, of the negative side. And there was a very, very strong um, support from him that I have used until wow. this day. And I'm still wow, using I think, it. I love that. I think we should all challenge ourselves <laughs> to like... Um, to do that every time there's a negative thought, like try to come up with two positives. Um, focus on maybe our strengths more than what we're not so good at. Um, well, thanks for chatting with us. I think our last and one of our favorite questions that we like to ask um, people that we talk to is just, what are you excited about for the future of and usually we say the future of biomechanics because we talk to people who do research in biomechanics. But for you, um, you can kind of fill that blank with whatever it could be for the future of improvements of prosthetics. It could be the future of um, of just athletes, of um, accessibility. It can really you. What are you excited about for for the future? I would say. Yeah, um, I have this one thing, and I need you to um, help me say it in a way because i i know how to say it in danish but i don't know how to say it in 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 english so it's when so today my prosthesis is reactive right it's it's i'm moving and it's following so what i'm really excited about is the day that i will be able to either use my muscles or my mind or whatever to lift my leg yeah. for instance if so instead of it being I mean. more of a passive device actually have it more interacting and active with your with your body yeah mm. yeah exactly yeah we should send you along there's some new research and sort of going in that direction um and i think we're actually going to talk to someone who's had a special surgery that um actually is more in alignment with with that type of integration of their prosthetic with their biological um you know um signaling so I think that cool. I think we're moving in that direction, which is is exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm envisioning that in ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, we will start to see that the level of prosthetics is at a level where people with normal limbs will say, "I want that." Yeah. <laughs> And we'll be starting to <laughs> chopping <laughs> off our arms and legs in order, in order to be enhanced, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, you know, it isn't impossible. So <laughs> thank you so much, Lassie, for sharing your story with us. And for those listeners who want to learn more about Lassie and his story, you can read his book, Landing on My Feet, a personal story about overcoming the mental and physical journey of amputation, which is available on Amazon. 
And you can also find Lassie on Instagram at landing on my feet. And if you have an amp- amputation or if you know someone who is an amputee, you should definitely join Lassie in his hashtag challenge, which is hashtag amp goal, A-M-P-G-O-A-L. And um, it is going to be a really awesome challenge through November that I think will be really inspiring to um, a lot of people. So thanks for starting that up and thanks for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out and letting me share my story through your channel. So since it's November, the month of Thanksgiving, uh, Hannah and I are going to do something different instead of research fails and do um, our something that's been really important to us, mm-hmm. and that's um, doing gratitude reflections. reflections. And um, so we're going to share our you know reflections and what we're grateful for. Um, Hannah, you want to start us off? Sure. Well, I'm really grateful for, I would just say, the awesome support system I have, and that just includes all of the different people in my life and amazing resources and things that I have access to and feel mm-hmm. very blessed to have. So a big thank you for all of that. Yeah. And people like Melissa. I'm thankful for Laugh you. at my jokes, <laughs> even when they're not funny. Um, yeah, I probably have to say something similar, just like very grateful for... My family, um, who and my friends, um, both like at home and back in Ohio. So mm-hmm. I feel like they just help keep me grounded and help me, you know, stay connected to my roots. And mm-hmm. um, then also like the friends I have out here, who I feel like are always pushing me to just be the best that I can. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and friends like you, who I have like <laughs> all aspects of to do like fun like academic things with and Hannah and I like go out dancing together which is like I'm so grateful yeah if you're at ISB you know (laughs) we like to hit up the dance floor um but yeah and my health uh not maybe right now I have a bit of a cold but I feel like other than that um I'm grateful for that and and I was thinking like there is like some jazz music playing right now and it's really making me laugh um we're in a studio. While so. I was sick last week, I was thinking just about how I'm blessed to have an advisor who I felt like if I told him I was it, like sick, he would tell me to prioritize my health and get better and not worry mm-hmm. about my work. And I feel like just hearing that voice in the back of my head was like really comforting and like mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, people care about your like my health and mm-hmm. and like well-being, um, you know, above yeah work-related things is important and so um, yeah I was feeling blessed for that oh so I was thinking too you know like a week okay I might like had an ad and that you know extra time on to my PhD when I take time off but like you know your PhD is just um only for a certain period of time and like Mm -hmm. your body and your health that's with you forever and I just like don't feel like it's worth Mm -mm. you know you know not having like doing the best for your for your body so anyway yeah Uh, can I add to that yeah our advisor has a really great thing that I felt so thankful for the other day that he said people are greater than papers like he kind of used the greater than sign Mm -hmm. and that's just so important to remember he actually used two of them I think um that 
I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in feeling like, oh, I just have to finish this thing or this thing or, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. But really at the core of it all, like, yeah, people are the most important thing and, and health and well-being. Yeah. Um, because without those things, we really can't survive and go on. And Right. Yeah. Thanks for taking time to remind us all of that and yeah. well, focus I, on it. We love... Um, this isn't like the first time Hannah and I talk about what we're thankful for a lot because I think it helps us stay, you know, in touch with who we are and, and remember how lucky we are. Um, so we would encourage you to do the same, you know, um, do a gratefulness reflection, maybe reflect on a few things that you're grateful for right now and then share it with someone that you care about, um, mm-hmm. someone that you're thankful for um, and just spread the spread the gratitude yeah and they say if you make this part of your daily practice you can change actually how your brain is wired and just a minimum like That's just true. like a week or something it's really short so if you do gratitude reflections every daily, day yeah yeah so go for it definitely i feel like yeah like melissa said it really makes you happier and keeps you grounded mm-hmm. in perspective well thanks for listening um i'm melissa boswell I'm Hannah O'Day. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can check us out at BiomechanicsOOM. And if you have any questions, concerns, if you want to be on the podcast um, or on Student Voices, um, which series? (laughs) Why are you laughing? Oh, my God. Please be on Student Voices, just so that we can hear the jingle that Melissa made. I didn't (laughs) tell everyone. That's not me. Um, Sorry, the jingle that an anonymous participant made. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to talk to us, send us a research fail. You can email us at biomechanicsonourminds at gmail.com. And don't forget to, um, if you enjoyed the podcast, um, please, you know, rate us. Swipe right. (laughs) Yes, thank you. On Apple iTunes or whatever, you know, podcast. Only rate us if you're going to rate positive, though. Obviously. Like five stars, please. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Be honest. We can take it. (laughs) And a big, huge thank you, speaking of being grateful, for the awesome music that you hear throughout the episode. And that's made by Peter Washington here at Stanford. And this podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics, so we thank them for their support. Biomechanics Biomechanics off our minds. minds.